I want to preach to you this morning on this thought over the next few moments concerning the sanctity of the blood. The sanctity of the blood. Amen. Leviticus 17, look at one verse of Scripture in verse 11. Verse 11, I may have a little roar up here, Brother John. The Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. For I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Can you say amen? Amen. Many of you already know this, but without blood, there can be no life in the physical body. you got to have blood. You have to have blood. But when you think about it from a spiritual standpoint, that's just as true in the Scriptures. Blood flows through the Bible just as it does through our veins when you look at the Scripture after Scripture. The blood of Christ keeps Christianity alive. Amen? It keeps Christianity alive. When you look in the Scripture, the blood is spoken of some over 400 times in the Scriptures. And so it's easy to understand and see that this is not some minor theme. It's a major theme in the Scripture. Without the blood, the gospel is dead. It has to have the blood. Over the last several years, there's been many denominations that's tried to take the blood out of Scripture. But I don't think you can do that. Over the last several years, there's been some that's tried to take the blood out of our hymnals and songs and all of that, but I I don't think you can do that, understanding the price that was paid on the cross of Calvary. It wasn't a pretty picture. It wasn't a pretty sight. It was a gruesome sight. It was an ugly sight. It was a bloody sight. Matter of fact, sacrifices that that the priests done in the Holy of Holies was not a pretty thing. They sprinkled blood everywhere of animals and goats and, and all kind of things that took place. It was, not a, it was not a pretty thing. Jesus said in Matthew 26, it says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many of remission of sins. Paul added in Colossians 1 and 14, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And he also explained that we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. Peter also said in 1 Peter 1 and 18, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. And all the apostle John added into this in 1 John 1 and 7. He added in with what Peter and Paul said, and he said this. He said, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But if we walk in the light, he said, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so the early church understood this. They understood the concept of the blood. Matter of fact, when you look in the book of Acts, these 22 sermons recorded by these four preachers in the book of Acts all give the same message, if you will. They all talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They understood that at his death and the provision of the covering by the blood was an essential ingredient concerning the gospel. They needed, we needed the blood. Even today, in 2015, 
15, you and I, in order to be saved, we have to understand we've got to go by the cross. We've got to go to the cross. And on the cross was a cruel thing. On the cross, there was a man that was bleeding. There was a man that had his side pierced. There was a man that, that had thorns in his head and had pushed down and caused blood to come. There was a man that his heart burst. There was a man that just earlier, a few days ago, that, was, that his sweat became great drops of blood. It was a gruesome thing, but they understood this sight of the blood. They understood that it was the covering by the blood. And, and when, I, when I preach this morning, I want you to get this picture in your mind. It's hard to see the blood from, a, from an external standpoint, even for us today. I was picking with Brother Parker earlier this morning. He said, you got a hot message this morning. I said, yeah, but I really need, I really need somebody to come and give an example. I'm talking about the blood, and, and I need somebody really to bleed this morning so we can see and visualize, if you will. But I probably am not going to get any volunteers this morning for me to cut you up. But in Scripture, Jesus was cut up. In Scripture, he had, he had thorns upon his brow. In Scripture, he had a spear in his side. But it's hard for us today to see the blood unless it's, a, it's an external thing. And in order to do that, you've got to be cut. You've got to, you've got to have some kind of hurt upon your body. And so, but the Bible paints blood strokes, if you will, on a, on a canvas and then minute by minute detail. God's Word breaks it down into cellular level for you and I today. The importance of the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope you leave this morning understanding the blood of Christ is very, very important. But even more important is that God sees the blood applied to our lives and He passes over us. He gives us opportunity to live today. He gives us opportunity to be set free today. Amen. And so I want us to take a look for the next few moments concerning the blood today. The first thing I want you to notice concerning the blood of Jesus is that His blood is perfect. Amen. His blood is perfect. You go back in Scripture, the virgin birth of Christ established His righteousness. Judas cried out, I have betrayed innocent blood. Paul explained, he said, For he, talking of God, hath made him, talking of Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made righteousness, uh, we may be made in the righteousness of God in him. Pilate even said in John 18 and 38, I find no fault in him. He was spoken of in Hebrews as holy. He was spoken of as harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. First Peter said he committed no sin and there was no deceit. There was no guile found in his mouth. John said in 1 John 3 and 5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. I'm talking about the precious blood the precious, perfect blood of Jesus Christ. Understand this today, church, that a natural father would have imparted the sin nature of Adam to Christ and his death would not have provided redemption. But the virgin birth is absolutely essential to the salvation of your soul and my soul today. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was born of a virgin and did not have the original sin. Matthew even quotes Isaiah when it said in Matthew 1 and 23, Behold, a virgin shall conceive with a child and
and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. I'm so thankful today that God is with us today. Amen. I'm thankful for the fact of knowing, Brother Eugene, that when we come into his presence, there he is. When we are in his sanctuary, there he is. When I go before him and I cry out, Abba, Father, I cry out, Daddy, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my Lord and my Savior who bled, who died for me, is present with us today. We'll give him praise in the house. Hallelujah. Now you folks are going to have to get a little bit more excited about the blood. Y'all got this blood visualized in your mind. Get that out a little bit, but talk about it. Understand the blood. Jeremiah the prophet, spoken years gone by. He said this in Jeremiah 31, 22. How long will you wonder? It's almost like he's talking to us today, Brother Raines. How long will you wonder? How long will you wonder, unfaithful daughter Israel? Because the Lord will create a new thing on earth. The woman will return to the man. Hallelujah. It certainly was a new thing at that day and time for a woman without a man to give birth to a child. That was a strange thing. It was an unheard of kind of thing. The Adamic nature of, of Adam is, is to the offspring by the blood of line of, of the man. There, is, there were no impurities in the blood of Christ. Everything about Christ was perfect, including his blood. Amen. Everything there was about Christ was perfect. Not only was his blood perfect, but his blood was pure. Amen. If blood was pure, uh, we're going to take communion in a, in a few minutes. And I've had somebody ask me, well, Pastor, why, why don't we use wine? And why don't you do this for, for communion? And, and there may be all kind of different reasons. But let me, just, let me just show you a little one thing here. Everybody knows that if you want to take wine, wine has to go through a, a fermenting process, right? In other words, it has to go through a rottening process. Everybody say, shoo. It has to go through a rottening process. So how then can I line the blood, the purity of Christ's blood, up with a rottening substance? Is that all right now? Now you may have all kind of other reasons and explanations, but that's, that's, that's one that I can think about. It's a rottening process. And so, so when we look at the pure grape juice that we use, it lines up a little bit with the purity of the blood of Christ, but even that doesn't do it even justice, amen. Because we know that the blood of Christ is a pure blood. It's an undefiled blood. It's not a rottening kind of blood, amen. It's not a rottening kind of blood. There's a man by the name of Dr. Curtis Hudson who was struggling with cancer one day. And on a number of occasions, he went through a treatment called a chelation. Chelation is similar to dialysis in that the blood was removed from the body and sent through a machine that cleanses and impurities all from the blood. And, and then it pumps it back into the body. This treatment prolonged Dr. Hudson's life after for a long time. After his blood had been, had been purged of the germs and the disease and all the bad cells, it was then able to work against the enemy cells that were in the war with his body. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 9 and verse 13, he said, but if the, if the blood of bulls and goats and if the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve a 
a living God. Can I tell you, I've been set free today. But I've been set free by a purity and a pure blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not by the blood of bulls today. It's not by the blood of goats today. But we've been purged today through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the pure blood of Christ is applied to a sinner, it provides a cleansing. Matter of fact, 1 John 1 and 7 says this, The blood of Jesus Christ, His sons, cleanseth us from all sin. And the old song says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. There's no other fount I know other than the precious blood of Jesus Christ today. Well, give Jesus another hand clap today. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Peter told us, in 1 Peter 1 and 18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And because it's pure today, because it's purifying today, here's another thing I want you to notice. His blood is perpetual today. Everybody say that word with me, perpetual. You know what that word means, right? It's ever going. It's ongoing. It just keeps moving. The animal, the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament were continuous year after year. The blood of bulls and goats provided a forgiveness, a pardon temporarily, only because it pointed to the sacrifice of Christ and to the blood being shed for the covering of our sin. It pointed toward that. But the writer of Hebrews speaks of Christ as one. In Hebrews 7 and 27, the Bible says, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's, he did this once. When he offered himself, talking of Christ, hallelujah, we don't have to go back year after year and bring goats and bulls to sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Don't you understand? When I come down to an old-fashioned altar and I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you into my life. He looked back on the cross. He looked back from the seat he was sitting. He sees the blood that's still applied to the mercy seat today. It's still red. It's still flowing. It's still pure. It's still holy. It's still alive. It's still ready and available to save my old sinful life. Amen. And because of the blood, I'm set free. Hallelujah. Because of his blood, I'm saved today. Because of his blood, I'm a new man. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10 and 12 says, But this man, but this man, Talking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, it's done. Boy, if I don't say nothing else, I hope y'all get that right there. It's done. It's accomplished. It's finished. Amen. It's done. I'm not, he's not going back to the cross for you. He's not going to shed no more blood for you. It's done. He's not going to go and have his side pierced again. It's done. He's not going and have Roman guards pierce his side and beat him up and slap him and pull his beard. It's done. Hallelujah. What he already accomplished for us is enough. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you're lost without Christ, let me tell you something. What he's already accomplished for you is enough. It's done today. It's done today. And I pray that if you're here today, whether you're in the balcony whether you're on this main floor, whoever you may be, young person, old person, it doesn't matter to me, whoever you may be, 
Let it be done and accomplished in your life today. The death of Christ, listen to this, the death of Christ set into motion a continuous cleansing for those who put their trust in Him. Oh, hallelujah. We are given the full gift of eternal life that He purchased with His blood. Thank God we're washed. And thank God we're washed once and for all. The Bible speaks of the blood of the everlasting covenant, Hebrews 13 and 20. It says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of eternal covenant brought back from the dead, from the death of our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, our faith in his blood is all it takes to settle it once and for all. It's settled forever and forever. Hallelujah. His blood is powerful today. His blood is not only only moving and perpetual, it's powerful today, amen. It's a powerful kind of blood. The old songwriter said, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you, or evil, a victory win? There's power in the blood. There's power, power, wonderful working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. There's power in His blood. John wrote one time, and he says this, Thou hast redeemed us, O God, by thy blood. You've redeemed us by thy blood. Revelations 5, 9 says they sang a new song. It says you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased from God, for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful when you think about that? that no matter where we go, Brother Larry, Jesus died for all of us. Hallelujah. I can find myself in the, in the jungles of Honduras, but God died for that little fellow over there, that little gal over there. I can find myself in the depths of Africa somewhere, but God, Jesus died for that person over there. We can find ourselves in the United States of America, in, in America, but wherever we find ourselves, Jesus died for you and I. Hallelujah. He shed his blood that we might have a life and have it more abundantly. And it takes amazing power to do that, does it not? It takes amazing power. We are told in Revelations 12 and 11 that, that they overcame the wicked one, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. This is not in my notes. Let me stop here long enough just to let you know this. When the, when the enemy is chasing you, draw a bloodline. Good Lord. That's preaching right there. Why, Pastor? He can't cross the bloodline. Hallelujah. He can't get nowhere near the bloodline. Draw yourself a bloodline. Why do you want to keep running from the enemy? Don't get tired. You'll get wore out. You'll get defeated. Draw a bloodline. And the enemy can't pass the bloodline. Hallelujah. It takes a lot of power to do that. The Bible says they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to, as to shrink back from death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. Can I ask you a question? How many of you got a testimony today? How many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ has come into your heart? How many of you know that somewhere along the line he set you free? How many knows that somewhere on the line, I don't know where you may be in your, in your life, Life, but he'd come along and say, hey, I died for you. I've made atonement for you. My blood was for you today. Amen. Hallelujah. But here's the thing with us. We take his blood so flippant many times. And we don't understand the price. We don't understand the price that was paid. It wasn't cheap. I can tell you that. It wasn't cheap. It cost something. It cost something. False religions today. 
have always denied the blood, always denied the power of the blood. There's a lady by the name of Mary, Mary Baker Eddy of the Christian Science Movement. This is what she said. She said the material blood of Jesus is no more effective to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon the cursed tree than when it was flowing through his veins. I don't know about you, but I think she's wrong. There's a guy by the name of R.B. Thyme, a Bible teacher in Texas, a Bible teacher, said this. The red liquid that ran through our veins and arteries of Jesus' mortal body is not related to our salvation. I could go on and on with people and what they think about the blood. Of course, these teachers, like many other false prophets and false teachers, stand in complete opposition to what Hebrews says. What does Hebrews say, Pastor? Go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. The Bible says, without the shedding of the blood, <laughs> there can be no remission of sins. Without the shedding of the blood, without the stuff that he had to go through, our sins could not be forgiven. But thank God that he done it anyway. Thank God he went through the torment that he went through. Thank God he done it for me. He, I wasn't even born back then. But he looked down through time and said, hey, there's a little guy that needs salvation. There's a little guy that's going to need my blood. He looked down through time and he looked at you and said, hey, somebody's going to need a Savior. And I've got to go die for them. His blood is powerful. Hallelujah. The other thing I want you to understand is this. His blood is permanent. His blood is permanent. Everybody knows what the word acquittal means. It's a heavy word, but it just simply means to pay off. In other words, to, to be free, to be clear, to absolve something. It has a far-reaching, extending maybe from the past, from all the way to the future. You know, my guilt, Brother Roger, has been acquitted. I'm forgiven, in other words. I'm, I've been set free because what Jesus has done for me. You may remember it this way. A few years ago, there's a, there's, a, there's a guy that I used to watch when I was a kid play football. His name was O.J. Simpson. I remember his old brother, O.J. Brother O.J. was acquitted of murder. And it can never come back on him now in the court of law. Not even new evidence, they say, can be presented. You say, well, yeah, but I don't believe justice was done. Well, it doesn't matter how, what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. But you and I, listen, you and I are guilty and we know it. Of our sin. Pastor, I ain't done nothing. Oh yeah, you did. You were born, wasn't you? We were born into sin. We don't want justice. If we were guilty, we don't, we don't, we don't want justice. We want what? Mercy. We want mercy. And we need that mercy to be permanent. Let the mercy come, Lord. Let the, let the, let the mercy come. Let the grace come, Lord. We want it to be permanent. We want our sins forgiven. And not only that, we want them forgotten about. We don't want nobody else looking at our past and pulling it back up. That's one thing I love about Facebook. It's got a way of bringing stuff back. That's years and years gone by. I get tickled sometimes when I see these posts and then somebody else underneath it said, that was posted five years ago. Let it go. Aren't you thankful that the blood of Christ don't do that? <laughs> Aren't you thankful that when he sets you free, he forgets about all that stuff that you've done in the past? I'm a new guy today. I'm a new man today. I'm a new lady today. I've been set free by the blood of Christ. His blood is permanent. Not even our past sin was covered, but also our present and our future sins are put under the blood when we trust in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hold on just a minute. Hold on, Jesus' blood cleanses us from our past sins. 
Isaiah said, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee, Isaiah 44 and 22. David spoke of this even when he said in Psalms 103, he said, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he has he removed our transgressions from us. Thank God for that. He promised not to remember them again. How many would be bold enough to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm glad there's some stuff he don't remember no more about me. <laughs> I'm glad there's some stuff in my life I don't want him to remember about me. It's underneath the blood. Jesus' blood continues to atone for future sins. That's, it, 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 don't get me wrong. That's not to say that we can go out and do whatever we want to, get, what we want to do. I'm not talking about this once saved, always saved thing. I believe that, I believe that, that belief as, as well. I believe you can be saved always through the grace and the mercy of Christ. But if I choose to turn around and walk away from him, hello, then that's my choice, right? But I believe his blood sets me free. I believe his blood still atones for me. I believe the righteousness is available for me. All I've got to do is turn around and get back to where he is can't blame him for leaving me. He didn't leave me. I left him. Hello. So his blood sets us free. Jesus' blood conquers everything. Hallelujah. His blood is permanent. Very quickly, I want to tell you this. His blood is precious blood. His precious blood. First Peter 1 and 19, we love to sing the song, oh, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. There's no other fount I know but nothing but the blood of Jesus. Peter used that same term, precious, to describe what he said in 1 Peter. He said, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Without spot. Without spot. There's an old story that I've, I've, I've used in sermons before, but I've got to use it again this morning. You've heard this story before, but it just paints a picture of what we're talking about today concerning the blood of Christ. There's an old, there's an old story of a wealthy old man that had a very elaborate collection of paintings. Of Van Gogh paintings and Monet paintings. His only son shared the interest with his father concerning these rare paintings. They traveled around the world buying all these paintings and gathering and collecting all these paintings to put in their home. As years go by, Brother Roger, the son, enlisted in the army and was placed in, in, a, in, in medical corps. And it was a severe battle. And, and he was, he, while carrying a wounded soldier to safety, he was, he was seriously wounded and died later on, this son. The mother of the home was already dead, and the news of the tragedy devastated this father. He grieved for loneliness for months. One day, a knock came at his door, and when he responded, he found a young guy with a package. This young man explained that he was one of the several soldiers that his son had carried to safety. This son, or this man, knew of the interest in paintings. He had painted, and he had painted a picture of his son and gave it to this old man, this father. The painting was not a rare painting, but a very precious painting to this old man because it was a good resemblance of his son in the last time that he saw him. The man moved a very valuable painting from the mantle and placed the picture of his son in its place. Hour after hour, the story goes, this man would sit in a rocker and just gaze up at the picture of his son. As years gone by, this old man died. And they began to sell his art collection Put up for sale in an auction. Hundreds of collectors came to, to bid on this art collection. The announcer announced that, he, that, 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 that the will stated that the picture of his son was to be auctioned off first. 
The moan of disappointment could be heard from the crowd. Let's, let's get on with the real paintings, they said. One was heard to say that the son's picture was held up and the auctioneer cried out, who's going to give $100? Who'll give $50? Who'll, who'll give $25? There was no response. And after a while, this kind old gentleman in the back said, will you take $10 for it? Auctioneer said, I will. Sold. And everybody would clap and all of that. And they said, now we can get on with the real auction. When everything calmed down, the auctioneer cried out, ladies and gentlemen, the auction is over. And boy, you could heard a gasp in the room, fussings in the room. The crowd was puzzled. The crowd was upset. The statement was given again and again. And the will declared that the son's picture was to be sold. And the person who took it would get all the rest of the paintings of the house. The old man who paid $10 for the picture of the son was suddenly amazed from the fact that now he owned all of the valuable Monet and Van Gogh and whoever else painted paintings there. Here's the point. When a person, when you and when I, when we decide to take the son, S-O-N, hallelujah, we get everything else. We get everything else that's applied. We get everything else that's applied. One last thing as the musicians come. His blood is protective. His blood is protective. Exodus 12 deals with the Passover and the blood. The Bible said that the blood was to be sprinkled on the doorpost of the Jewish homes. Many of you remember that story. Just as the Lord had instructed them. When the death angel came on that faithful night, you know the story. The awful judgment of death to the firstborn of the Jews was protected by the blood. It was actually their faith that brought protection. They believed the word of the Lord that he had given to Moses. They believed it enough to act upon what the word said. By following the directions just as the Lord instructed, they reaped a great benefit. Here's what I want you to get today. God said in Exodus 12, 13, The blood shall be for you for a token upon the houses which you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you, and will destroy you. And when I smite the land of Egypt... Under the blood. We are under the blood. See, there's th that same judgment, really, when you think about it, is still going on today. Still going on today. Oh, no. The death angel may not pass our house and see if the blood is actually applied in red and go in and kill our firstborn. That may not be happening, but in reality it is. Because if we don't have the blood applied to our homes, the home of our heart, the temple, he passes over us all the time. He wants to come in, but he's not welcome there. He's not welcome. Most of you know what I'm talking about. When you go to a home and you go to some place, you already know. Nobody has to tell you. You know whether you're welcome or not. Because you feel like they really want me to be here or they don't want me to be here at all. Do you get the picture? Do you see what I'm talking about this morning? His blood is perfect. His blood is pure. His blood is perpetual. His blood is powerful. His blood is permanent. His blood is precious. His blood is protective. Think about this. We know from the Old Testament scriptures, we know that Sister Dad, when they come that one time a year, they and Passover, they would bring those animals and they would give that and prepare that sacrifice. They would kill it. They would slit the throat. They would drain the blood. They all kind of gruesome stuff so that their sin would be taken care of. Jesus, in his final days, was a precious lamb being led to the slaughter. 
And as he walked, and as they beat upon him, and as they'd done everything inhumane to him, Sister Annette, he'd done it for you and I. He'd done it for us. He'd done it for my pardon. He'd done it for our salvation. He'd done it so that I could be saved. You could be set free today. If we don't understand that, if we don't get that, we've lost everything there is to, uh, concerning Christianity and what Jesus means to us. No, he's not just some good man that went around doing good things back in his day. Uh-uh. He was so much more than that. His blood was enough. His blood was enough. His blood was enough for you and I. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've gone, his blood is enough. I want Sister Michelle just to play something softly. If you don't have a communion cup with you, I want you to raise your hands. The ushers are prepared to bring some around. Most of you got yours when you came in, but if you don't have a communion cup, please raise your hand. Anybody up here need, got some on the stage, guys, that need some as well. We want to take just a little time this morning. I want to go through communion with you. And then we're going to pray and we're going to go. When you get your cup, just please take out that little wafer on top. If you're visiting with us today, our church, we have an open communion. Feel free to take communion if you choose. If you don't, if you don't want to do that, I'm not, we don't force that up on you. Brother Al, right over here to my right. Keep your hands up, guys, right over here. You got some? We have an open communion, and so we want you to feel free to take that. This is what I believe and what I know about communion. I believe what it represents strongly. I believe that when we partake of the bread, we're partaking of the body of Christ. The body that was broken. The body that was bruised. The body that was beat up. The body that they say from history that was unrecognizable. Can you imagine? Unrecognizable. They didn't even recognize who Jesus was because he was so beat up. Flesh tore. Stripes everywhere. Thorns. Beard that was plucked. Spat in his face. And he went through all of that humiliation for you and I. For us today. And so let me, let me caution you just a little bit. If you're here and you're taking communion, let me caution you. Do not take communion in a flippant manner today. Because I promise you, it wasn't provided for you, this freedom, in a flippant manner. It cost. Cost. Examine yourself. See if there's anything in your life that doesn't belong. If you're in sin today, ask God to forgive you. I believe you can be saved. Why you take communion today. I really do. If you, if, you, if you take it in the right way, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ can save your soul. Not only that, I believe that your body, if you're sick in body, I believe God can heal you as you take communion today. I do. Why, Pastor? Because we know it's the, the, the bread was for his body. He was bruised. He was beaten up for you and I. He was bruised for our iniquities. The stripes upon his back was for our healing. I believe that he can heal me. I believe that he can touch me. Scriptures tell us, Jesus, when he was with the disciples in the upper room, Sister Sue, he said, 
Hey, guys, and I'm going to paraphrase just a little bit if that's okay. I've been with you a long time now. I've tried to teach you some things. I've tried to show you some stuff. I've tried to give you just a little bit of what's in me so that you can take what I've got and you can go and preach to the world. I'm thankful that he done that, Caleb, because that's why we're able to be here today. Because at some point in time, you can trace it back. Those guys, they, they went everywhere, Brother Rains, and they began to preach the gospel, and, and the Lord spread. The message of the gospel spread. I'm thankful for that. But the Lord told him, said, Hey, I want you to take this bread, and I want you to eat it. And as you eat it, I want you to eat it in remembrance of me. Every time we take communion, I tell you that. When we take this bread, we're remembering what the Lord done for us on the cross of Calvary. We remember. Would you take your bread and remember what he done for you? Thank you, Jesus. Likewise, the scripture says he took the cup. And he said, hey guys, this is the blood covenant. I'm going to be poured out. You don't understand everything that's going to go on right yet. Matter of fact, we know the, we know the story I preached to you last week about Peter sitting at the enemy's fire. There's a lot of things took place over the next few days that those guys had no idea was getting ready to take place. They heard Jesus talk about it, but they didn't have a clue, Brother Rains. Scared them. But I promise you, there's some nights that they remembered what Jesus told them at the, at the Last Supper. He said, guys, I want you to take this cup. And when you do it, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember my body. I want you to remember the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. Would you take your cup? Sing it again, all oh, the blood singing all oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh the blood of Jesus. Oh the blood of Jesus. It washes one. One more time, all oh, the blood, all the blood of Jesus, all the blood, all the blood of Jesus, all the blood of Jesus.
want every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you this morning before you leave, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you be honest with me. Say, Pastor, before I came to service, I was lost. There were some things in my life that, that I was not pleased with, but listening to your message on the blood and taking communion and doing it in a right way, I've accepted the Christ back in my heart afresh and anew. If that's you, would you just lift up your hands? I would just love to know if there's anybody here today that give their heart to the Lord. Leave your hand up just a second. Amen. You've, that God has set you free. God has delivered you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, blessed Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity you've given us to share concerning your blood today. God, truly today, we are a blessed and a merciful people. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, that we've been saved and set free. We've been called out. We've been set apart. We are now the family of God. And we bless you because of the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. Lord, we recognize and we don't want to take for granted. It wasn't free. It was not free. It cost you everything. Jesus, your son, had to cry out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because you turned your head. You turned your face. He knew the price. You knew the price that had to be paid. And now because of that price, we're redeemed today. Because of that, we have been set free today. And we're blessed and we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord praise one more time because of the blood today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, blessed Jesus. Amen. It was so good to have all of you this morning. We're so glad that you're able to be with us. If you're visiting with us, I hope this is not your last opportunity for being in service with us. We hope to see you tonight at 6 o'clock. I will be speaking to you tonight on Psalms 118. If you want to go ahead and read that chapter, we'll be preaching to you tonight on Psalms 118. God bless you. You're dismissed.